I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from linkedin news i'm jesse hempel host of the hello monday podcast in my 20s i knew what career success looked like in midlife it's not that simple work is changing we are changing and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it start your week with the hello monday podcast listen to hello monday on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We got a lot to unpack from the games that have already been played. Worth noting, Kirk Cousins 0-8 in Monday Night Football. He gets an opportunity with the Vikings to get his first ever Monday Night Football win tonight against the Green Bay Packers and extend the NFC North playoff race for another week at least, even though uh, the Packers have the tie break. So it would be required that they would need to lose each of their uh, next two, both tonight and to close out the season, in order for the Vikings to have a chance to win this division. Vikings could get to 12-4. and four. Vikings close with uh, the Packers tonight in, uh, in Minneapolis, and then they close with the Bears, uh, who lost last night. We'll get to that game here in a moment, but the Packers close... Uh, with a relatively easy game. So uh, it's kind of a challenge if you're a Vikings fan. Packers on the road close against the Lions, who have just fallen completely apart ever since Matthew Stafford went out with his season-ending injury. Lions 3-11-1. So the Packers only need to split in order to, to lock up the NFC North. Now the Packers obviously are chasing what they hope will be a uh, a buy in the playoffs 
uh, before all is said and done. So what is the playoff situation? Well, in the AFC, the Ravens are locked in. They are your number one overall seed. Big decision for John Harbaugh to make. How much does he play his starters against the Steelers this weekend? And some of you may say, well, he should sit them all. The challenge for the Ravens, and it's a good problem to have, but they have the bye. They also have already clinched the number one overall seed. So they will not play a football game that really matters again for three weeks. So what do you do? Do you play Lamar Jackson and your offense and your defensive starters against the Steelers? Or do you rest those guys, treat it kind of like a preseason game, and wait for in two weeks when the divisional round playoff game will take place and the Ravens will be hosting someone in uh, the postseason? That is a uh, excellent debate and one that I'm sure will be much discussed this week as the, the Ravens have to make that decision. In the second spot, the Patriots get the win over the Bills. The Patriots now uh, are close to clinching the number two overall seed and the second bye if they beat the Miami Dolphins, which they should be substantial favorites to do, given that the Dolphins are traveling all the way up to Foxborough then the Patriots would be your number two overall seed. That's the best they can do. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs are close to locking up the number three overall seed. They won last night, dominated on the road against the Bears. They've got the Chargers, who seem like they have basically mailed in the season, coming to Kansas City. That is a uh, 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff game, which means that the Texans, by the time their game kicks against the Tennessee Titans, will already know whether they have anything to play for at all or not. Assuming that the Kansas City Chiefs win, then the Texans would be locked in at the number four seed news that Will Fuller will not play this coming weekend uh, against the Titans and also that he may be out with a groin injury for the first game of the season. So that is a, sorry, the first game of the postseason. Uh, against what looks likely to be the Bills, who are locked in at the five seed. So it seems pretty clear, barring an upset, that it'll be Ravens one seed, Patriots two seed, Chiefs three seed, Houston Texans the four seed, and the Buffalo Bills the five. The six seed in the playoffs is simple if the Titans go and they beat the uh, Houston Texans, who likely will be resting many or most of their starters. If the Titans can get that win and they are now a five and a half or six point favorite according to Vegas based on that likelihood of the Houston Texans resting their players, then the Titans would be in as the sixth seed and would go on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. It would be a rematch of the playoff uh, game that the Titans played against the Chiefs back in uh, back two years ago, I believe. Uh, in that scenario, okay? If the Titans lose and the Steelers win, then the Steelers would be your number six seed and they would go on the road likely against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Oakland Raiders have an outside chance at the postseason. They need for the Indianapolis Colts to win, for the Steelers to lose, and for the Titans to lose. And then the Raiders need to go on the road and beat the Denver Broncos. They are around a three and a half or four point underdog in that game. So that is your AFC playoff picture. In the NFC, 
there's not very much uncertainty now in terms of the uh, the playoff races, but there is a lot of uncertainty about seeding. And in particular, the 49ers right now are your number one overall seed with the Seahawks having a bad loss against the Arizona Cardinals at home in the week before the 49er game. Now, if the Seahawks come back and beat the 49ers, then they would win the NFC West and it would drop the 49ers all the way to the five seed. Right now, the Seahawks are the five seed. Your two seed are the New Orleans Saints. If the Saints won their final game of the season and then uh, the 49ers lost, then the Saints would be the overall number one seed, uh, I believe, in uh, the AFC. The Packers still chasing a, a, a top seed. Uh, The Eagles get a huge win over the Dallas Cowboys. Might have been the end of Jason Garrett's tenure nearly, uh, finally, in Dallas. The Seattle Seahawks, like I said, fall to the five seed. The Vikings with the Rams lost to the 49ers. The Vikings lock up the number six seed at a minimum. Um, and uh, we'll see how they can finish off the season, whether they can make the last week of the season matter in the NFC North. So, barring a collapse by the Eagles, and by collapse I mean a loss on the road against the Giants and a Cowboy win against the Redskins, then the Eagles won the NFC East on Sunday afternoon. Here is what Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett had to say about that crippling loss potentially for the Dallas Cowboys. It is a very meaningful game because of the the circumstances within the league. And uh, uh, we've uh, had times this year a lot when we didn't play uh, as well as we wanted to play, but uh, uh, we had in mind stepping back up here and getting on a run and uh, uh, having some good things happen. This is a a disappointing setback for that locker room and for all of us, and I know it is for the fans. Get yourself uh, technically in a spot to cut to come into a Philadelphia uh, team that's got the players they've got, even though they had them missing a lot of them. When you get in this spot, uh, you give yourself a chance to be real disappointed. It's very disappointing. We all expected to leave here as uh, the NFC's champs. We're not. Unfortunately, we didn't get the job done, and we all have to own it. I have to own it. The coaching staff has to own it. All the players and staff members have to own it and uh, give the Eagles credit, uh, and now we have to go forward. Uh, unfortunately, we don't control our destiny anymore, but we do control our opportunity next week against Washington. So uh, we'll get back in there. We'll we'll clean up this game. We'll get our eyes forward. We'll try to do our part uh, and finish up the season the right way. All right. So uh, that is the fallout we've been talking about a lot on this program. Two big decisions that I think the Dallas Cowboys need to make uh, as many of you are waking up on the West Coast and spending your mornings with us. One, who is going to be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? Is it going to be a former college guy, Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley, Matt Rule? Is it going to be Ron Rivera? Is it going to be Greg Roman, the current coordinator for the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, who has built such a great offensive attack for uh, for Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense? All of those are very viable questions, and we don't have easy answers for them going forward. But those are the two biggest, and again. It's worth noting, given how bad the NFC East has been this year, that it's still possible that uh, that you go out, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Redskins, and then the Eagles find a way to lose to the Giants, and boom, the Cowboys are still in the postseason 
Uh, the Eagles are around a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road for Sunday's game against the Giants that they need to win to officially win the NFC East. But that was an ugly performance for the Cowboys. To me, I think you need a big-name coach who is going to finally tell Jerry Jones to take a seat in the back that he is driving the bus and that he doesn't need Jerry Jones having post-game press conferences after every single performance, good or bad, that if you want to win, the buck has to stop with the head coach. Everybody has to know who is running the Cowboys, and it can't be Jerry Jones. And that's a challenge for Jerry. It cost him Jimmy Johnson back in the day, and I think it's why he's kept Jason Garrett in place for so long, because Jason Garrett is willing to subsume himself to Jerry Jones, and the Cowboys are all about Jerry Jones. Look, I think Jerry Jones made a lot of great decisions as the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, I believe that uh, that he has been great for the NFL overall, but the Cowboys have won three playoff games since they won the Super Bowl, and they were all wild card games. They have not advanced to an NFC championship game since the 19, mid-90s, uh, since Barry Switzer was their coach Time for a big change there. In terms of Dak, I'd be almost inclined to franchise him. I know that he hasn't been paid very well, and I know he'd be furious about being franchised, but you pay him 25 or $30 million for one year, there's no way I'd give him $100 million. There's no way I'd sign him to a long-term extension. I just haven't seen enough to believe that he is a guy who's going to win a championship for me. And to me, if you're going to pay a guy $100 million plus, which is what Dak's going to want, he's going to want that Jared Goff-style deal. He's going to want that Carson Wentz-style deal. I have to know that you're a Super Bowl-winning caliber quarterback, and I just frankly don't know that we've seen enough from Dak to justify $100 million. Would I be willing to go 50 or $60 million, two years guaranteed? Yeah. But again, I think Dak wants a longer-term contract, and I think he wants $100 million guaranteed. So let me go ahead and bring in the crew. Uh, okay, so what happens in the AFC? First question for everybody, and by everybody, we got Dub out on vacation already for the holidays, and we also got Roberto out. So we just Slackers. have Danny G and, uh, and Eddie. So I'll start with you, Danny G. Who is the sixth representative in the AFC? Who, who goes to the playoffs? I would be really shocked if your Titans don't handle things. I mean, the Texans aren't going to play all of their starters. If they do play Deshaun Watson, it'll just be for a few series. That way he stays in rhythm going into the playoffs. But unless the bad blood between your two squads, obviously it's divisional. Do you think the Texans would take much joy in keeping your Titans out of the playoffs? So would I don't they try think so. to stick it to you? Well, the, the problem is, I, I mean, I think they'll try to win. I mean, the backups who they play in that game. Look, Deshaun Watson had an injured ankle and was pretty noticeably like worried about it during the course of that Texans game against the Bucs. Will Fuller is out. Uh, I don't know why you would put DeAndre Hopkins out there. I don't know why you would put Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, who has a little bit of an issue as well. I don't know why you would play any of your guys that have any kind of nagging injury at all. Uh, if you want to make an argument, and, and by the way, that's assuming that the Chiefs win. If the Chiefs were to lose then I think the Texans might make a decision, hey, we'd rather be the three seed than the four seed because we'd rather play against either the Steelers, the Titans, or the uh, 
or the Raiders than the Bills. I think that's a very valid thought because I think the Texans would be better off against those three teams. Uh, But the odds of that actually being a, a possibility seem low. I expect in some way for the Texans to treat this like a preseason game. So I don't think there's awful blood. I mean, certainly the Titans moved away from the city of Houston, and uh, this has been a rivalry over the years. But remember, Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator there. I think he left on pretty good terms. I, I, I don't think it's some situation where, like, if the Steelers were playing the Bengals, for instance, and you know those two teams genuinely hate each other, or it were Steelers-Browns, you know, like, or even honestly, Steelers Ravens, where it seems like there's a lot of bad blood in general in the NFC North. Plus, the Titans made the decision, which I think was smart given Derrick Henry's hamstring issues, to rest him because they knew they were going to need him uh, potentially to win in Houston, that the game against the Saints was likely not to matter in the grand scheme of things as it came to uh, to, to postseason uh, berths. So, uh, the Titans, I mean, this is a game that they should win, and I would think that they'll be favored by over a touchdown, assuming that the Chiefs go out and take care of business in the early kickoff, yep. then there will be absolutely nothing for the Texans to play for. Yeah, your game was flexed to 425. It's going to be a fun late window to watch coming up next weekend. Point out one more thing about the Titans. I think it was really smart of them to rest Derrick Henry yeah. for the most important game. The Raiders obviously need a four-way tie at 8-8 eight and eight with the Colts, Steelers, and Titans at the uh, end of Week 17. A four-team parlay, since we had a five-team parlay yesterday, chance to sniff the playoffs. So interested to see what happens in the AFC. At least it's coming down to the last week of the season. That keeps things exciting. Now, as far as the Cowboys, that's your second question, right? Yeah, what do you do? Who's your coach? I'm in agreement with you on hoping to get a big fish like Urban Meyer And maybe Jerry Jones can sit back and relax a little bit in the owner's box and give a little bit of control away. I know he is very much from the Al Davis school of football where he wants to control everything, but he needs a great football mind to come in there and help him do this thing so he can get one more championship. I'm not going to be surprised if Jerry Jones does not get the coach that we want to see if he just continues to be uh, stubborn and keep on the path he's been on. It won't surprise me. Now, as far as Dak Prescott, I said last season I'd give him $30 million. I still feel the same way. He obviously was injured with that shoulder. Without Dak Prescott, who are the Cowboys? He is the face of their organization. He is the guy that has gotten them to the playoffs and even uh, got them that W last season in the wild card. He is the Cowboys to me, so I don't see how you can shortchange him. He would be uh, pretty mad if he got franchised. Now, if if you want to do that and then you start kind of a rift between him and the front office, I don't think that's a good look. I think a bigger question, and they were ranting about this a little bit on NBC Sunday Night Football last night, Amari Cooper. That's supposedly your number one wide receiver. You've argued on the air with Roberto and I about Cooper a little bit. Because he seems to shrink in big situations. He was nowhere to be found in that Patriots game. Yesterday, he had four catches for 24 yards. The biggest moments of that game, he was nowhere to be found. And Dak was throwing the ball to Gallup instead of Cooper. How is that a number one wide receiver right now, Clay, if he disappears in such big moments? Well, I think he is a number one wide receiver. But I think that's partly Dak. I mean, Dak was not very good. Um, and but Cooper's the bigger been dropping is, the ball. He leads you the are, league. You, He's number it, one since 2015 in drop passes. 
Okay. He is also the difference between Dak being an elite passer and Dak being just okay in terms of what he does. If you look at Dak Prescott's numbers before and after the Amari Cooper trade, he is a seismic difference for Dak Prescott. So a number one receiver, yes, you want him to make plays, but by Amari Cooper being on the field, he is changing the way that defenses can play against the Dallas Cowboys and opening up the field for many other guys. Plus, Amari Cooper's been playing, I think it hasn't gotten very much attention, with a pretty serious injury himself all season in his foot, right? So I think the ability of him to go out there and gut it out like he has is underrated here. The challenge that I think the Cowboys have is, yes, you want to pay Amari Cooper because you want to keep him for Dak, but also Ezekiel Elliott has shrunk since he got his big contract. And one of the big storylines that continues to be out there in the NFL is name me a running back who has outperformed his second contract. A guy who has dominated after getting big money in that second deal, whether it is Le'Veon Bell, who has kind of been you know a forgotten man in New York with the Jets this year, whether it's Zeke, whether it's Todd Gurley, you talk about, and there are other guys that are going to have to make decisions on. Derrick Henry's coming up, Christian McCaffrey soon before long. How much money can you actually give a running back? I'm more troubled by the disappearing act of Ezekiel Elliott in many ways than I am by what's going on with either Dak or Amari Cooper. Eddie Garcia, what's going to happen here? Who's the uh, who's the AFC's playoff representative? You're a Steelers fan. Do you have any faith in them at all? Not really, especially since it looks like they're going to have to go back to uh, Duck Hodges with the injury to Mason Rudolph. Uh, just the injuries are mounting up, and they've been playing over their heads for quite some time. I, I thought they'd beat the Jets, and if they beat the Jets, they're in the playoffs. But if they can't beat New York, I don't have a lot of confidence they're going to beat Baltimore on the road, regardless of who's at quarterback uh, for the Ravens. So I, I, I think your Titans are going to get in. Uh, what about what do you do with the Cowboys? Well, Urban Meyer is intriguing. Um, I wonder, though, if maybe Lincoln Riley, if you could pry him away from Oklahoma, might be a, a little more interesting choice, a younger guy, more offensively innovative, and maybe a guy that Jerry Jones could, I don't know, have a little more influence with, seeing that he's, you know, like I said, a little bit younger and whatnot. And if and if I'm Lincoln Riley, that was, that was probably one of the few pro- programs I would actually leave Oklahoma for. I mean, Dallas Cowboys head coach is obviously a very prestigious position. Um, but as far as Dak goes, yeah, I would franchise him for next year. You, you're kind of with me that like, and I understand that would upset him. You know, he gets around thirty million dollars for one more it's not year. Personal, to me, it's just business, right? Yeah, to me, Dak is exactly what it is. Uh, to me, Dak is um, a lot like the situation with Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston that we saw last year. And coming into the fourth season, there was talk: Hey, are you going to extend these guys long term? And then when you looked at the totality of their performance all season long, I just I didn't feel like either guy deserved. And it looks like the Bucks may franchise basically. Uh, they didn't franchise them, but they had the fifth year option because they were first year quarterbacks. But it looks like the Bucks are still undecided on Jameis Winston, who threw four picks by the way, uh, and is on pace for thirty interceptions this year, which is a crazy number. Not to mention all the fumbles. But it looks like the Bucks are still like, hey, we don't know about Jameis Winston, so they may franchise him for another year. Titans seem really happy with Ryan Tannehill, in which case they would let uh, Marcus Mariota go. 
but I don't know why you would that 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 rule exists for a reason. The franchise tag exists for a reason, and to me, Dak is a perfect example of why the franchise tag exists. Uh, he's a guy that you think is really good, but you're not convinced he's somebody that you want to commit to long range in the future ahead. So to me, that's not a very difficult decision for Jerry Jones from a pure business perspective. You make the decision to franchise tag uh, as Dak Prescott. Give yourself another year to find out if he's the answer. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who should we go to first, uh, Danny G? Let's start with Victor in L.A. He wants to answer your questions about the Cowboys. 
Yeah, what should the Cowboys do? Questions that I'm asking. Uh, who should be the next coach, and how much do you give to uh, Dak Prescott in the event you're doing a contract extension? Obviously, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. Okay, first of all, let me say happy holidays to everybody at Fox and all the affiliates. I listen to all your shows. I listen to Ben Mallory. I listen to Petros. I listen to Jesse No. I listen to all you guys. I listen to the brothers. listen to everybody. So happy holidays to all of you. Uh, second, I want to say, okay, of course, the Dak Prescott thing, you know, there's teams out there. We look at what they gave Cutler back in the day, what the Bears did, what uh, what Denver did with Flacco. Somebody's going to give him his money. So my suggestion would be that the Cowboys give him his money and just keep him on because he fits with the team. That's what they should do. The other thing is the answer to the Cowboys coaching thing, coaching thing, I'm not a big fan of the Cowboys, but to me, if they could get him, the answer is Jim Harbaugh. He would put Jimmy... Uh, Jerry Jones up in his booth and tell him to stay out of it, he would fix that team. That's my things. Happy holidays to all of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for the call. I mean, there are going to be a lot of big names connected to this Dallas Cowboy job. A lot of big names. Because I think Jerry Jones at this point recognizes that he needs to hire somebody who is going to be the face. The challenge in general is the buck stops with Jerry literally. And as good as Jerry Jones has been for the league, and I think he's been phenomenal for the NFL, I think he's had a lot of really smart decisions in terms of marketing, in terms of growing the overall revenue of the league. He's been a great business person. Problem is, no other owner does post-game press conferences. And so what quality of coach are you going to be able to uh, retain because the reason why Jerry lost Jimmy Johnson back in the day was because they couldn't, their egos couldn't get along. And every coach that you would potentially hire that's a big name, Victor just mentioned Jim Harbaugh. I said Urban Meyer. Lincoln Riley's going to be in the mix. Maybe Matt Rule. Those are all guys with college backgrounds, but there's obviously a lot of guys with NFL backgrounds as well. All of those guys have big egos. And they don't want to be sitting in the backseat of the Dallas Cowboy caravan because they need to be able to have the players know that they have the authority, that they are uh, th- they are the king of the castle. And I'm not sure that Jerry Jones is willing to give up that authority or that attention at this point in his career. And if he's not, that limits the number of big-name coaches, I think, that would be interested in this job, even with a lot of money outstanding. Uh, all right, who's up next? Uh, what do you think, Danny G? Uh, all right, Fred in West Virginia also wants to talk Cowboys. What you got? Hey, man, good morning. I'd like to start out by saying uh, my prayers to Dawn's for those um, involved in that stabbing. It's, yeah, it's, it's an awful heart-wrenching. story. I've got yeah. two teenage daughters, and it's heart-wrenching. Um, also, I'd like to say Ron Rivera, I would believe, would be the best uh, spot because he could care less if he talks to the media or not. Um, he can yep. get Jerry Jones that light. Um, as far as Dak, I say pay the man. He is the, he is not the problem with the Cowboys. Um, they lead the league in drop passes. So if he's getting the ball to the guys, pay the man, getting some receivers that can catch the dang ball. Yeah, he had a lot. I don't know what the total number of drop balls was, but I can think of at least four uh, that got dropped, uh, oftentimes in significant situations uh, last night. Now, there were also some really good catches made that, that didn't, like, for instance, the Dallas Cowboy first drive, if you want to put drive in quotation marks, was Dak Prescott throwing the ball up to Michael Gallup, who made a one-handed catch. Uh, that set up that first field goal to make it 10-3. That was the receiver making the play there, not the quarterback. 
but Dak did not get a lot of help from his uh, from his receivers and his tight ends uh, on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. There's no doubt at all about that. Um, I still question Dak wants a hundred million guaranteed because Jared Goff got a hundred and ten million dollars guaranteed, and unlike Jared Goff, who was the overall number one pick, Dak Prescott has not made any money yet through four years with the Cowboys. So his representatives, and I don't blame him for making this argument, are saying not only do you have to pay us going forward, you have to compensate us for the fact that you have had a steal over the last four years for your starting quarterback. And so I I am sympathetic to that argument. It's the argument that I would make if I were representing Dak Prescott. What I'm saying is purely from a business perspective, how many other people out there would give Dak Prescott $25 million a year or more. I'm not sure there are a lot of teams that would do it. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Just means that if you are paying somebody substantially more than the market would, that makes me a little bit nervous as a business owner. And I would just say, regardless of who the person is, if you knew that you own a business, and you knew that your top salesperson was doing a pretty good job and had been underpaid for a few years. If you let them go out into the open marketplace, you knew nobody else would pay him $100,000 a year. Are you going to pay him one fifty? That's kind of what I'm talking about because I think that's what the Cowboys are doing. Guy's been doing a great job at your business, underpaid substantially for the past couple of years, wants a new deal. If you're a smart business owner and you know nobody else is paying him 100, are you going to give him 150? Doesn't make sense to me. Who's up next, Danny G? Let's go to Chris in North Carolina. He wants to talk NFL playoff format with you. Yeah, all right, Chris, what you got? Hey, good morning. Merry Christmas Eve, Eve. Hey, appreciate my that. Comment is, my comment is not about the Dallas Cowboys because it is about the NFL playoffs. One thing about the playoffs we have to remember is that the divisions are set geographically. So at least for the first week and most of the second week because of the buys, you're going to have games that are spread out regionally all throughout the country. So that's got to help with revenue for the local games as well as the local market. So if you think that it's, that it's more than revenue-driven, it, it might just start with that. I appreciate the call, but I don't even buy that because the NFC East is not geographical. There are a lot of teams that make no sense from a geographical perspective. Kansas City, God bless them, is not that that close to L.A. Dallas is not that close to uh, to the East Coast. Certainly, Miami is not that close to Buffalo. There are a lot of teams that it makes no sense from a geographical perspective. My thing is, just take the top four teams that make the playoffs and give them a home game. I'm not opposed to automatically giving somebody a berth if they win a division. So I don't have a problem if uh, the Philadelphia Eagles get to get a playoff game because they win the NFC East or if the Dallas Cowboys won the NFC East. My issue is why should they automatically get to host a home playoff game? And you talk about geography, there's a possibility that the Seahawks are going to have to travel or the 49ers are going to have to travel all the way across the country to play against a team that won a lot less games than they did. What sense does that make to punish them for coming in second in their division when, worst case scenario, they should be hosting the home playoff game? I think we should reward 
the teams that have the best regular seasons. And I think the top four playoff teams should be the four best teams in each conference. That's I've been on that for a long time. I didn't think it made sense when the Carolina Panthers got to host a home playoff game with a losing record. I didn't think it made sense when the Seattle Seahawks got to host a home playoff game with a losing record. And I don't think it makes sense for the NFC East to host a home playoff game this year. I think we should reward the four best teams with the four home playoff games. That seems like easy for me to resolve. What about next, Danny G? Let's go to Tom in New York. He works for a sheriff's office there, wants to talk to you about the sad news coming out of Nashville. Yeah, Tom, what you got for me? Thanks for the call. Hey, uh, good morning. What you need to do, if, if you could, using your, your vast, expansive ability to communicate throughout the country, is alert people to what seems to be a growing issue is called bail reform. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're falling back on the criminal element of the country and making things more lenient and giving them an easier out when they don't appreciate that and people who should probably be locked up are out on the street in this particular case. Uh, it's, just, it's just one of a tragedy after tragedy that's going to happen as bail reform becomes more sweeping across the country as the liberal left becomes more emboldened. Um, this is just one of the tragedies that we're going to incur. There's going to be uh, drug overdoses are going to spike because people that are uh, heavily using and maybe the best thing for them is a few days locked up uh, to help them uh, clean up a bit. That's not going to happen. Um, dangerous people uh, who who should be locked up are going to be out. Um, and we're going yeah, to thanks for thank, thank, thanks for the call. Appreciate the work you did. Look, I, I think we're in danger here. And and obviously this, to me, the double murder, C.J. Beathard's brother being killed by a guy who had already stabbed someone and was let out on bail for an aggravated assault. He has a long rap sheet. We got to stop letting people out of jails who are violent predators. All right. To me, there is oftentimes a very easy day. And I'm speaking as a lawyer now. All right. Somebody who has done criminal justice work, who has defended people accused of crimes. To me, there is a very big difference between violent and nonviolent criminal offenses. Nonviolent criminal defenses offenses, I am very easy with being lenient on in the grand scheme of things. In other words, if you are smoking weed and you get arrested, I don't think we need to throw the book at you, right? But if you stab somebody, I'm sorry. You shouldn't be getting lenient treatments from anybody. That's a violent, predatory action. And if you do that, you should have to serve your time in prison. I don't want you back on the streets. There is a difference between violent and nonviolent offenses. And as someone who has in, been involved in the criminal justice system, as somebody who puts on the lawyer hat now, we got to stop with this idea that we're going to go easy on violent criminals. Those people should be in jail. You want to talk about go and, and the person should be in jail who committed this double murder, who killed the San Francisco 49er backup quarterbacks brother. He should have never been on the street at all. And I can't imagine being the judge 
or anybody involved in that case, I don't know how you get out of bed in the morning if you let that guy out on bail and then he just killed two people in cold blood who did absolutely nothing wrong. You failed. The system failed. There should be accountability there. Any other calls or we need to go to break? Time for one more of this segment. Charlie in Dayton wants to talk to you about the Bengals' number one pick. Yeah, what you got, Charlie? All right, Clay. So, hypothetically, Mike Brown hands the, the reins over to Katie Blackburn. She makes the greatest hire of all time. She drafts, She signs Clay Travis, general manager. I got two questions for the new general manager of the Bengals. Number one, how confident are you in drafting Joe Burrow over Chase Young or any other quarterback? And number two, what do you do with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green? I trade them. I'll answer the second part first. I mean, I let, I'm not sure what the contract situation is on Andy Dalton, but I let him walk. Uh, the Red Rifle has achieved, uh, I think, the full extent of what he's going to achieve as a starter, certainly for the Bengals. A.J. Green out the whole year. Um, I might be willing to keep him for next season, but when you miss a full season, uh, it's hard for me to believe that you have a lot of gas left in your tank. I 100 billion percent draft Joe Burrow over Chase Young. I love Joe Burrow. The difference between an elite uh, quarterback and a defensive end, even if he's elite, is is seismic. All right, so I'll give you an easy example, and this is one I like to cite. J.J. Watt is a first ballot NFL Hall of Fame defensive end. He is probably the best defensive player of his generation, certainly up there when it comes to rushing the passer. He's won one playoff game in his career. That's because he is an attribute to an otherwise good team, not the reason why the team is good. The quarterback is. And so I believe Joe Burrow has everything necessary to be a next stud quarterback in the NFL. I love him. I think this is a no-brainer. I thought the Bengals might blow it by having that epic comeback against the Miami Dolphins. Luckily for you, if you're a Bengals fan, they found a way to still lose. I go get Joe Burrow. I don't think twice about it. To me, that's an easy decision. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Awful story uh, that came out of my hometown of Nashville over the weekend. Uh, there were a couple of kids back home from college that were out at a local bar in Nashville. Uh, Clayton Bethard and Paul Trapini. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce the, uh, the other individual's name, but they were both young uh, college guys. They were out at a bar. Uh, with a bunch of people from their high school that were back home from college, back home for the holidays, as many of you out there listening either will do or have done at some point in your young adulthood when everybody gets back together uh, again for Christmas and you're all at your homes uh, and you're back in your hometowns. It's very common to go out to a bar and be able to hang out. So this story and the Clayton Bethard was a uh, was a, a a college football player. His brother is C.J. Beathard, who started several games for the San Francisco 49ers. These guys are out at a bar in Nashville, and they are with one of their girlfriends, what I've been told. They're with one of their uh, girlfriends from high school. Girlfriends, not like a girlfriend, uh, is my understanding, but a girlfriend of theirs. Guy comes up to her at the bar and gropes her, uh, and uh, and they uh, she is uncomfortable with the guy approaching her. These guys go up to that guy and tell him, hey, leave this girl alone. I am told that guy leaves the bar, 
leaves the bar and either gets a knife or has a knife, has a couple of friends with him. When they leave the bar that night, he stabs to death C.J. Beathard's brother and this other guy who is his friend outside of the bar, Clayton Beathard and Paul Trapini. Another guy is stabbed in the eye and is fighting for his life in the hospital right now. The guy who did these stabbings is currently at large. Now, I know we're a nationwide radio show, but who knows where this guy is. His name is Michael Mosley. Authorities want him. They put out his picture. You can go see his picture on my Twitter feed at Clay Travis. This guy had previously stabbed someone and had also recently been arrested for aggravated assault. He had absolutely no reason to be on the streets to be able to take both of these young guys' lives. And I would just say this. This is a story that really has hit me hard uh, as the holiday season is here. To think about these, these two guys doing what we tell young men to do. Protect women. Do the right thing. And when they did that, they were stabbed to death by a guy who had no business being on the streets. It hit the San Francisco 49ers in a hard way. Here is Kyle Shanahan talking after their win over the Rams on Saturday night. Listen. Also, I didn't know what to say to you guys at the beginning of the day because you guys know how what happened last night, man. And uh, Having to go spend an hour with CJ last night. And just being with him during that, um, you guys, you guys know how tough it was, is for him and his family right now. And um, what I can tell you, I spent an hour with him last night, and he was exactly like any one of us would have been, distraught, just struggling to talk. And but he barely could talk. And and the last thing he said to me when I walked out the door, he stopped me and just goes, "Hey, you make sure the guys go win this game." Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to say that be at the beginning because. This game doesn't mean anything compared to his brother. We all know that. Yeah. All right, but you guys also know CJ, yeah. and he, he met that, man. He's got our backs as much as we as any of us, and we got his, man. Yeah, yeah. It was a special day for us, guys, and I'm so thankful for you guys that you guys could do that for him because um, that was the last thing he said to me, and I know that still meant a lot to him. So I appreciate you guys for that, man. I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate everyone here. That was huge. I want everybody to get some game balls. Yeah. Again, this guy's name, Michael Mosley, his picture is up on my Twitter feed. He should have never been on the streets. Prayers for the families here and give them a thought as you go about your holidays. Imagine how awful this news was. Clayton Beathard, Paul Trapini, neither one of them did anything wrong at all. In fact, they were heroes and this bastard took their lives. Let's catch him. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. One bit of news uh, that I am reporting that isn't officially uh, being reported by anybody else yet, but I'm telling you it's going to happen. The SEC, Southeastern Conference, moving from CBS, where they've had their game of the week for a long time, 3.30 Eastern, to ABC. Uh, Disney owned ABC and ESPN. Big win for Disney getting the SEC game of the week. That dollar figure is going to increase from $55 million to nearly $400 million. Uh, and the question is, 
CBS still has four years left on this deal. When will this deal be bought out by Disney slash ESPN slash ABC? That's a big move in the college football uh, television space if you are following that. Um, So that is a big story. Uh, We've been talking a lot about the Cowboys. They're lost to the Eagles. Who's going to be the AFC playoff representative? We haven't hardly talked about any of this, but I thought this was such a crazy story. Isaiah Thomas went into the crowd, not Isaiah Thomas, uh, the old school basketball player, uh, but the current Isaiah Thomas went into the crowd because he was upset that somebody was yelling at him, got suspended two games. Why was the guy yelling at him? Because he said he wanted a Frosty. This is real. Listen to this audio. My dad taught me at a young age, don't ever let anybody call you out of your name. And it doesn't matter where I am, that's not going to happen. So when I missed the first free throw and made the second, I'm running back and a fan has both of his middle fingers up and said, you three times. So then the timeout goes and I go in the stands to confront him. I say, don't be disrespectful, that calm. I'm a man before anything, and be a fan. And his response was, I'm sorry, I just wanted a Frosty. Because if you miss two free throws, I guess the fans get a Frosty. (laughs) First of all, that's an amazing advertisement for Wendy's. How soft are players getting? As soft as Frosties. I mean, they are pretty delectably soft. But how dumb of this is Isaiah Tom? Like, once you walk into the crowd... You can't control what happens, which is why he got suspended for two games. And it seems to me like people want to say, like, talk about how these athletes want to talk about how they're tough and they love the hate and they use it for fuel and everything else. It seems like there are a lot of soft NBA players these days. You can't tell me that Patrick Ewing and Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and all those dudes weren't getting regularly cursed at by people in the crowd. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay to curse at athletes in the crowd. Like, I try try to have my voice when I'm in the crowd be similar to what I would be comfortable with a kid hearing, right? Because a lot of times there are young kids around. So I, I think that's the standard you should try to apply is, would I be okay with my son or daughter hearing everything that I say during the course of the game? Not saying that every now and then you might not curse when you're upset or your team makes a bad play or something like that. Like, I totally understand it. But for Isaiah Thomas to have such rabbit ears that he's walking into the crowd to confront fans who are sticking middle fingers up at them. Uh, look, I mean, if you want to kick the crowd, the fans out of the game, whatever, if you hear somebody cursing, I don't know what the official standard should be for fan behavior. It's an interesting question, a good debate we could probably have in the offseason about like what is officially acceptable. But the idea that all of these NBA players are listening so closely now, I don't hear it happening in hockey. I don't hear it happening in the NFL. I don't really hear it happening in Major League Baseball very often. But that they're paying so much attention to what people are saying to them during the games and allowing those fans to so get in their heads that they're walking into the crowd. This is crazy to me. If you're truly bothered by what somebody is saying, tell security when you're on the bench. I'm sure they'll get kicked out. But the idea that you should walk into the crowd is fundamentally insane. By the way, this Philly fan was banned from the arena for one year. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, but again, I think Isaiah Thomas put himself in a bad spot for you. Yeah, I agree. Should have been more than a two-game suspension for going into the crowd. 
Yeah, bad look. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from linkedin news i'm jesse hempel host of the hello monday podcast In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.